You're about to listen to an episode where we talk about hunting. So you might be interested in my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. To get it, go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. From this guide, you will learn how to get a deer hunting license, obtain a firearm certificate, and get permission to hunt deer on a chosen piece of land. Everything is explained in simple language and in easy-to-follow steps. Get my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. Simply go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This is Tommy's Outdoors episode 19, and it is a special edition of the podcast. Uh, special in the sense that the podcast usually is published every two weeks. And this episode uh, drops just right week after we published previous episode. Um, so you can think of it as uh, we switching for three weeks for every week schedule for publishing podcasts. And the reason for that, and the reason that it's a special edition of the of the podcast, is that we are very close to the 1st of September. And as some of you might know, on the 1st of September, deer season opens in Ireland. So a lot of you hunters out there uh, certainly hoping to kill a deer this season. Certainly I do. And so I thought that it's a no better time to publish special deer season opener edition of the podcast with uh, my guest, Damien Hannigan, uh, from Irish Deer Commission. So Irish Deer Commission is a relatively new organization that I think does absolutely fantastic job uh, related to deer conservation and um, in general management of deer, the welfare of a deer, and this organ this organization uh, is is really close to my heart because what they're doing is what I'm what I'm saying uh, for a long time and even on the on on this podcast in the in the Tommy's Outdoors blog that all stakeholders and all users and all uh, people who are you are involved in the area and management of the wildlife should come to the table and talk together and and come up with the plans for management and conservation together and this is exactly what Irish Deer Commission is trying to do one other thing is that um, there is an event called Root Walk on uh, this on Sunday the 14th of October uh, in Killarney National Park it is hosted by National Parks and Wildlife Service it is free of charge and open to non-members, uh, but the places are limited. So to ensure that you have your place in that wonderful event, email info at irishdeercommission.ie and, uh, and book your place in uh, Route Walk on Sunday, 14th of October in Killarney National Park. And now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Damien Hannigan. With me today, Damien Hennigan. You are public relations officer in Irish Deer Commission. 
Damien, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. Uh, delighted to meet you and speak to you. That's, that's a pleasure. That's a pleasure. So uh, this is going to be kind of special edition of the episode because usually um, what we're doing is uh, the episode drops every two weeks. But I think this one will drop next week and it's going to bypass some of the people who are already queued up. But there's a good reason for that. First of September is approaching mm. and the deer season will be open. So uh, we can treat that episode as a deer, deer season opener special mm. kind of thing. <laughs> and I think, you know, who with, with the better guest than uh, uh, officer from Irish Deer Commission. So as far as I understand, Irish Deer Commission is kind of new organization. So maybe let's just lay out the, 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 the scene can you tell us what is Irish Deer Commission and what is your role as a public relations officer in, in Irish Deer Commission? Yes, the uh, Irish Deer Commission um, is, is a new organisation. It's a new national uh, voluntary association um, founded by 15 individuals who are passionate, I suppose, about deer in, in every aspect in terms of our conservation, uh, hunting, mm-hmm. um, and most importantly in terms of promoting what is best practice in terms of deer and deer management yeah. um, in terms of the conservation. So uh, so very much a, a member organization. It represents the views and interests of its members. Um, and I suppose it holds a busy um, uh, series of events for its members mm-hmm. and it campaigns and promotes in terms of various aspects in terms of deer, uh, from wildlife crime or deer poaching mm-hmm. uh, to deer management um, or, for example, our native red deer in County Kerry mm-hmm. um, in terms of their conservation. So uh, so very much, um, uh, I suppose, they would be the main uh, objectives of the association. Mm-hmm. Um, in total, they have 15 aims and objectives, um, but, but they, they, they're the core issues as such. Um, in terms of my own role, um, I suppose I've been involved in deer and deer management myself uh, most mm-hmm. of my life. Um, okay. I've uh, qualified as a deer manager mm-hmm. uh, under Elantra in the UK um, and I'm, I'm an avid, I suppose, deer hunter, a deer mm-hmm. conservationist because I think mm-hmm. most hunters are also conservationists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you speak to most hunters, they, they, yeah. they, they, you, people find that they're very much uh, focused in terms of the conservation of deer as well. Uh, but my own role has been has been a busy one since since mm-hmm. the Irish Deer Commission was formed in the sense that we uh, talk to a lot of good people like yourself um, you. in terms of um, uh, various interviews and uh, publicizing, the, the, I suppose, the business of the association and its aims mm-hmm. and objectives. Yeah. So there are many, uh, well, maybe not many, but quite a few uh, deer organizations. Okay. And I share a, a little story. Um, you know, I had a uh, time in my life when I was just mad about shark fishing, mm-hmm. right? And probably listeners of that podcast heard that story already 25 times, mm-hmm. so I'm going to skip that. Uh, needless to say, I was like, a, for, for two, three years, I was all the time at sea shark fishing. And the, one of the first thing I've done, I bought the book. The book was, uh, I believe, by Richard Perry, called uh, Sharks in UK Waters. Mm-hmm. And I read the book, um, and at the end of the book, they, they said like, "Oh, and there is an organization called Shark Trust, right?" And then take, and that didn't take me long. It's like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the one," because, you know, from the very beginning, when I when I first cast the hook into the into the river, my first thought was like, "Okay, but how am I going to ensure that these fish, you know, will be there 
year later and 10 yeah. years later. So, so like you mentioned, conservation was always part of that to me, at least in my mind, it was very natural. So Shark Trust, I was, I was a member of Shark Trust become the next day. And, you know, it's like a 10 years now when I'm a member of a Shark Trust. And then there's another organization in Ireland, uh, Irish uh, Wildlife Trust. Um, and and I, I have on the podcast, uh, Podrick Fogarty from Irish Wildlife mm. Trust. And we spoke about, you know, various issues. That's a very interesting episode. And I think it's going to be uh, online published just after hours. Um, but the little bit feedback I gave it to him is, was like, I was aware of the Irish Wildlife Trust all the time, but somehow I never, you know, I never become a member. I am a member since, mm. after talking to him, but it, it was like something was missing. And when it comes to deer, we have... Uh, Irish Deer Management Forum, we have Deer Alliance, we have Wild Deer Association of Ireland. And similarly, I, I kind of looked at the websites, look at everywhere, and it's like, um. and somehow when I learned about the Irish Deer Commission, it was something that says like, yes, that's the one. So mm. I became a member of Irish mm. Deer Commission. And so, so I have my reasons behind that, but I would like to hear from you, like, what do you think, what distinguished Irish Deer Commission from other organizations that you can you know, go out there and become a member and they're like the Irish, Irish Deer Alliance and so on. Yeah. I don't think there's any, first of all, I don't think there's any difference in the sense of organizations, in the sense of every organization has its own aims and objectives. And I think the more organizations that we have representing deer hunters, deer conservation, deer management, best practice, the better. Um, so I would say from the Irish Deer Commission's point of view is that we just have our own set of aims and objectives. We don't necessarily look at any other organization to sort of mm -hmm. say, can we do something better than them or okay. do something different? So there's no competition going there's, on. There's no, I, I would say it's, 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 it's a, it's a close knit community. We've, we've approximately 5,200 licensed deer hunters in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's a fairly slow, close community between those, uh, individuals and mm -hmm. there's a crossover. Um, so I would say within organizations, obviously some organizations have more of a focus on conservation mm -hmm. um, and some organizations have a focus very much more, say, in terms of the hunting side of things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, it's not, where I would say in terms of if, if you were to look at our website, irishdeercommission.ie, you'll see is that we're a kind of a one-stop shop in terms of all things deer. Yeah. Um, from the conservation, from best practice. So within our website, we have a section in terms of best practice guides, uh, mm -hmm. which were compiled by the Irish Deer Management Forum. Mm -hmm. um, and the, um, in that, you know, you have um, information that's suitable for, for hunters, suitable for foresters, suitable for farmers. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, it's there to, because everybody that I just mentioned there have their own issues in terms of deer, um, mm -hmm. or their own perceptions. Um, mm -hmm. And it's one of the things we see in Ireland is that the knowledge gap that's there uh, mm -hmm. in all sectors, not, not just in any one particular sector, but the knowledge gap in terms of uh, farming, forestry, hunters, mm -hmm. uh, there is a knowledge gap there. And sometimes that gap is filled by maybe what they read in the media or, yeah. or what they read on social media rather than actually what is fact about, about deer yeah. uh, and their management. And do you see like a part of your role, kind of this education of the wider public, about uh, deer, deer management and the issues related? Very much so, very much so. And, um, you know, I, th I think the topic of uh, deer has become a very emotive issue uh, mm. in recent times. Yeah. Uh, in particular, in County Kerry and mm -hmm. County Wicklow come to mind. Yes. Uh, where, you know, on one side we have farmers um, who have probably are, are experiencing one of the worst fodder crises in, in, in history. Mm -hmm. um, and the sight of 
deer eating their grass mm-hmm. uh, is understandably not to be welcomed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's emotive. Um, on the other side, then we have a, uh, a protected species because deer are obviously protected under the wildlife acts. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our largest land mammal, an mm-hmm. iconic animal. Um, mm-hmm. And if you take, for example, in County Kerry, yeah. um, a significant importance in terms of, the, you know, a very large tourism industry in yeah. County Kerry. Because yeah. I think if you were to talk to any hotelier in, in County Kerry, for example, they will tell you a lot of people come from around the world uh, to see uh, the, the Red Deer, for example, in Killarney National Park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge tourism draw. So, so deer. So it's a very emotive subject, and I suppose in between those two, um, uh, that tug of war in terms of mm. landowners on one side and conservationists on the other side. Um, in the middle, you have deer, um, and you, you know are, are, are caught up in that. And I suppose you have hunters as well, mm-hmm. because hunters, you know, the length and breadth of Ireland work in partnership with local landowners and farmers mm-hmm. in supporting them in terms of um, managing deer at a sustainable level. Because as we know, deer, without a natural enemy, uh, it does fall on man to manage their numbers. Yes. Um, uh, so it, it is important that uh, we support landowners in terms of that have genuine deer problems. Mm-hmm. Um, probably part of the challenge sometimes is is to educate landowners in terms of what is a sustainable uh, population of deer in an mm-hmm. area. Uh, yeah. To some landowners, one deer may be perceived as unsustainable. Yeah, one uh, is one too many. Is one too many? Yeah, yeah. And that that's I wouldn't say that's the norm. To be fair, mm-hmm. the, the majority of landowners that I come across are happy to see deer on the land. Yeah, obviously, if they're going to their field and to see thirty deer, uh, they, they, that's a different story, understandably. Yeah. So, uh, so it is an emotive subject, um, and has become very much emotive. Um, you only need to look at some of the media coverage in, in the last, say, 12 to 24 months. Oh, in, in, in general, hunting is, is, is struggling with the public perception and with the acceptance, right? So it, it, this, is, this is also uh, something I'm touching on the, on the podcast quite often, mm-hmm. uh, kind of educate people about role of hunting and, and what that is, yeah. right? So yeah. this, is, this is also probably something that yeah. you're, you're, you know and you're, you're working on. Yeah, what, what I find is it's, it's a good point um, in, in the sense of what I find with deer management or the culling of deer um, is that while, you know, the, certain types of hunting can be very emotive in the public's view. And it's mm-hmm. not to suggest that um, people that are non-hunters say it's a positive thing to, to, to cull deer. Mm-hmm. But I think most people understand that deer have to be managed. It's my own mm-hmm. experience is that... Um, while the thought or the view of deer being culled or managed mm-hmm. might, you know, uh, you know, appeal to to everybody, I think most people understand at this stage that deer need to be managed and need to be mm-hmm. need to be culled, and a part of that is culling. Um, people often say to me, you know, can we not, um, you know, dart them and in you know make them infertile, or can we transfer them to somewhere yeah. else, you yeah. know? Um, but unfortunately, the realities are, while they are valid suggestions, is that to, to dart mm-hmm. deer um, is, one, is very expensive and it's hugely risky because when, when, when deer are darted, there's a lot, actually a lot of deer don't survive from that. Hmm. Um, and the issue in terms of translocating, then, for example, we regularly get feedback where people say, can we not transfer the deer from Killarney National Park to Mayo or Galway? Yeah. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, in, um, in County Kerry, we know the red deer are un- a unique. Yeah, it's a, subs- it's a subspecies of yes, red deer. Correct, that have existed here over six thousand years. Right, and if we move them to another part of Ireland, they're non-native red deer in those counties, and yeah. they just breed. Like, like in Wicklow, right? Then they're hybridizing with Sika. 
Correct. That's a that's 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 a difference between red deer and, and Wicklow and red deer and, and carry. That's why there are different rules in hunting on, on both. Yeah, I suppose in in, in Wicklow, the I know the most recent um, research done on on hybridization between red deer and sika deer, which is a man-made scenario rather than a something that naturally takes place in the wild. Oh, yeah, sika is native from Japan. Right? Japan, oh, correct. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if we look at um, in terms of Wicklow is that we're now in a situation where approximately 40% of the deer population is hybrid, mm. Sika red hybrid. Oh, wow. um, we've no red deer left in Wicklow, just Sika deer. Um, so at this stage, they, they've, um, the hybridization has effectively wiped out red deer in, in County Wicklow and we just okay. have Sika and hybrids. But it is a real risk in County Kerry, for example, where you know, if hybrids were to get into County Kerry and to start to breed with the native red deer, yeah. um, which is a real risk because hybrids have been observed in the West Cork area. Um, so it's a real conservation threat to red deer in Kerry going forward that if these uh, hybrids get into County Kerry and start breeding, we effectively could wipe out a population of deer that has existed for over 6,000 years. But the, but the hybridization really started with, with uh, uh, mating between red deer and Sika. And Sika are present in Kerry. Correct. Somehow they they so far they didn't hybridize. Maybe they did because you're saying about the cork. Uh, but it's it seems to be like something is that they not hybridizing that easily. At least as it happened in in, in Wicklow. Yeah, I I think with with um in terms of County Kerry, so there has been research done in terms of has hybridization taken place in County Kerry, mm -hmm. and we know for a fact that that's not the case. It hasn't taken place. And the reason for that is, as I mentioned, hybridization is a man-made scenario. So, you know, a Sika deer... man-made in a, in, a, in a sense that the two species were put together on a la one landscape or a man-made scenario in terms like, the you know, the man caused them, you know, kind of interbreed or... Yeah, so, so for example, we know in the case of the hybridization in Wicklow, for example, uh, took place in Powerscourt Estate, where Lord Powerscourt had Sika and Red Deer in the same enclosure. And was known for, known for experimenting with different species. Okay, yeah. that's 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 my point. So, yeah. so man-made scenario, not in the sense that it that just happened by putting two species on the landscape. It actually was purposely created. 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 Right. Okay. Right, right. So and, and so so thankfully that hasn't occurred in 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 County Kerry. Mm -hmm. um, but there is, as I mentioned, real threats in terms of coming from West Cork. We know on the Limerick border we have non-native red deer, mm -hmm. um, so it's it, it's very much something that we've been calling for in County Kerry is a a coordinated deer management group of all stakeholders, farmers, foresters, hunters, and so on. Um, that and it's not just about culling deer, but it's just about facing the realities of the risks that that that, mm -hmm. that I suppose red deer face in County Kerry. Yeah. Um, and to deal with some of those emotive issues that we hear about. Yeah, there's a very sensible approach that that's based on on evidence and a, and a listen. So you, there's many really many things that I want to talk about with you. So maybe um, you mentioned about the kind of perception, and I mentioned that perception of the hunting. I think that this is not so much you say like most people recognize the need of managing deer and so on, but I it seems to me like where people have a problem, they have a problem with actually animal dying right mm. it's like i like deer i don't like anything bad happen to deer so that's the one thing and then other thing which hunters kind of are on the wrong wrong side of that equation is like i think it's a problem people have a problem that someone goes out and hunt deer for its leisure right mm. uh, and somehow they don't have a problem with deer being killed by wolves 
because it's natural, even though this is much more horrific death, arguably, to the deer being pulled apart alive by, by, by wolves. They don't have that much problem with actually someone being paid to go and shoot a deer. But when someone is paying money to shoot a deer, that somehow it's bad, mm. right? And I think this is, this is where sometimes hunters are struggling. Do you think that this is the case? Mm. I would say is that um, in terms of hunters, I, I, I suppose there's two aspects that we could look at this. Okay, one is is a traditional deer stalker mm-hmm. um, who is counting down the days to the beginning of first of September, like a child on Christmas morning, waiting for the hunting season to open. <laughs> uh, and I'm one of those children as well. I'm looking forward to the first of September. Mm-hmm. Um, so the vast majority of hunters feel that way, and they also, when they go out, they have a respect for their quarry. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if they do cull an animal and select an animal that's suitable to be culled, um, is that animal has consumed the venison, which is extremely healthy mm-hmm. uh, and tasty meat, um, is consumed by that hunter or family and yeah. friends. So I would think that would be the um, that would be the, the, the overwhelming majority of deer hunters. You, I suppose, increasingly what we've seen in Ireland is 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 a growing industry around the tourism aspect of it. So we have lots mm-hmm. of tourists come in to fish. Mm-hmm. We have lots of tourists yep. come in for clay pigeon shooting. Mm-hmm. Now we have a lot of tourists that come in to go deer stalking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, deer stalking, you know, as, as, as a support sport worldwide, you know, if you go to Scotland, mm-hmm. for example, and talk to people in rural Scotland. Massive. It's Massive. a huge industry. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it sustains so many jobs. Uh, and it's the same here same here in Ireland. So I think the, um, I suppose people often have this perception maybe of Cecil, the line story, if we look at that, you oh know, where, where, yes. where that an animal is, That messes thing up. That yeah, Cecil where an story. animal is, is, is the, the perception is an animal is shot for fun. The reality is, you know, agree or disagree is that, you know, this type of industry gives money back to the, um, mm-hmm. uh, the local economy and it creates jobs. Um, and I would say is that very much so from any hunter's point of view is that is regardless, be it, be it uh, someone that's uh, coming as a tourist to Ireland to hunt mm-hmm. or someone that's resident in Ireland, I would say, and I mentioned earlier on, hunters are conservationists. Mm-hmm. Hunters have a respect for their species. You know, yeah. the, ob- the objective is when an animal is called and the right animal is selected, that it's at the center of that is the animal's welfare so that mm-hmm. it's, it's called quickly, efficiently and humanely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the objective of any uh, any hunter that you will speak to. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, and no doubt, and like like you mentioned, the the respect and the respect for the you know the venison, the meat that you you know that I don't know a hunter who would allow their meat to get spoiled. Yeah. Versus you know uh, people who are uh, you know they openly they're against hunting and they're but then they go into the to the mall and they buying you know steak and chicken yeah. and then it goes <laughs> off because they yeah. you know yeah. and yeah. so that's that's and i think look you is that in any sector of society people have various views and they're entitled to their views and i would respect all views in the mm-hmm. sense if someone disagrees with hunting and um, that is their, their their choice and the prerogative and so on but yeah. um that, that's that's like listen uh, damien i i just want to touch on the hunting and conservation mm. okay um, because we had a chat before we started recording a little bit about conservation and, and, and so on. Um, and obviously, um, through the media, YouTube videos and other media, you know, a lot of information about hunting goes from the United States, mm. right? Obviously, and those celebrity hunters and so on. And this is a very commonly repeated phrase that hunters are conservationists. It's all about conservation and mm. so on and mm. so on. 
And in the United States, the system is just wonderful with, with I think it was uh, a Peterson Act where I, I may be, you know, uh, making a mistake here, but there is a part of tax from every uh, firearm and cartridges and every out, outdoors goods that goes towards the conservation. Mm. So by the sheer fact of purchasing a rifle and ammunition, people contributing to the conservation and they have this all the system of tags and so on. So there is no doubt. Now, coming to the Irish reality, uh, like, like I said, I started my, my adventure with hunting three years ago. And throughout these three years ago, without, you know, I spent thousands of euro right a couple of thousands on euro between the firearm and gun club membership and, and ammunition and all these things and from all this money to deer conservation i feel like i contributed precisely zero euro mm. and the only moment when there was an opportunity to kind of get some of my money towards deer conservation which is deer license guess what deer license is free right so this is an argument that I very much want to make that hunters are conservationists and they con should, you know, and I know that, most, like I said, most of the countries care about the animal, care about animal welfare, they want animal on the, on the, on the landscape and so on. But because that contribution is like a monetary contribution is, is in my view, non-existent in Ireland. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time on making that argument that, oh, you know, all the hunters are conservationists and they're actually making good job at, you know, protecting the animal. How do you see how do you see that role hunters as a conservationist conservationist in Ireland? I, sp I suppose we're we're probably talking about two slightly different things in the sense of what you described in terms of America mm -hmm. and the contribution going towards conservation. I suppose that what we're talking about there is, is the financially supporting mm -hmm. the conservation of a species or species in general, yeah. um, as opposed to the conservation work that hunters do in terms of so for example if you take Killarney National Park mm -hmm. um, is widely observed now within areas of Killarney National Park there's clearly too many deer yeah. uh, where we've come from a scenario in the in the 1970s where we only had 60 deer left in, in, in Killarney National Park mm -hmm. um, and the species was under threat so you know, in terms of, um, and you can see that there's parts of Killarney National Park I mean, damaged, not alone just by deer, but by goats, by sheep, mm -hmm. by other herbivores. And so they're causing real damage to the wider ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so I suppose in, in terms of, that's one aspect of it, but I think in terms of on a day-to-day -day basis, hunters within the hunting season from September to February are managing deer in areas to reduce the impact on the wider ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose hunters... And organizations like the Irish Deer Commission are promoting best practice in terms of how deer are managed, but also we're ensuring that deer, uh, that the herd remains at a healthy, sustainable level that's mm -hmm. acceptable to all end users. Mm -hmm. um, because it'd be very much easy for hunters maybe not to speak up and, and we could end up in a scenario where we say deer are completely wiped out, you know, yeah. because they're impacting on agriculture. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's more the conservation work from hunters as opposed to maybe financially contributing to conservation mm -hmm. um and i would say the demographics in terms of say ireland and most countries in terms mm -hmm. of conservation is very different than my experience so if i speak to people in other countries in europe alone mm -hmm. uh, they would view deer very much as an asset including yes. landowners where in some sectors here not to suggest all but some sectors here would see deer as a, as, a, as vermin yeah. uh, as a pest um 
So we have a very different view, first of all, in terms of deer, and not before we even get into the topic of conservation. Um, but equally, I would see is that in terms of how we fund conservation here, so if you take the department with responsibility uh, in culture, heritage and Gwail talk, uh, in terms of, in my observation would be it's an extremely under-resourced department. Yeah. Uh, we have lots of fantastic people working there, very talented and skillful people, but a very under-resourced department um, mm -hmm. in terms of deer. Uh, if we even look across at, you mentioned earlier on about fish, fishing, yeah. you know, inland fisheries, for example, is probably, you know, um, a far greater resources and, 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 and greater um, uh, energy put into in terms of conservation of fish. But in terms of deer, in my experience, would be is that we, we mm -hmm. absolutely don't have a focus in terms of conservation at a, at a, at a government level. Right. Um, um, it falls on organizations like the Irish Deer Commission to start promoting conservation or uh, you mentioned the Irish Wildlife Trust earlier on mm -hmm. as well um, in terms of pr promoting or speaking for deer or deer conservation yes. uh, in the media uh, yes. to try and highlight the issues. But uh, really, as I mentioned earlier on, we, we all need to get around the table in terms of hunters, landowners, mm -hmm. conservationists, national parks and, and start talking uh, about how do we manage and conserve deer. That's that's fantastic. That's fantastic what you're saying because and and probably this is this is what made me to kind of subscribe to the idea of Irish Deer Commission because I'm very much in favor of a dialogue mm. or however many parties are at the table and and actually so okay so so number one what you said if I understand correctly you said that that conservation uh, hunters and contribution to conservation is more from the bigger perspective of the landscape rather than particularly deer and the welfare of deer. So, so I get that. Um, tell me what's the, what's the conservation status of deer? I mean, the, and the reason I'm asking that question is like that there's a common perception that there's more and more deer. There's more deer than it ever were. Right. And this is, so again, coming back to me, you know, if I want to harvest a deer and remove the deer from the environment, I would like to know if I'm not doing something bad okay mm. so i started questioning how many deer is it is, is there any problem with deer and overwhelming response i have oh there's more deer than there ever was there's plenty of deer and like i said oh you know shoot them because they're like well, shoot away and um and then when i was talking with Patrick fogarty from from irish wildlife trust he said like well we actually don't have an idea how much how many deer is in ireland um and then uh, when I was uh, last year, when I was coming back from from a hunt, I I, I was you know packing in the car and I met the guy and I, you know we started conversations like Are you shooting here? Are you hunting here? Yes, you know I'm a landowner, and obviously I'm asking a question: Are there you know is it more deer? Is it less deer? And he said like it's less, it's much less deer than it was here, right? I say oh that's that's the alarm mm. alarm right. Um, and then I shared that story with some other guy who is uh, he's a he's a um, also involved in like like yourself in deer stalking and controlling population in Wicklow, and he said like, well, yeah, you know, if your man is saying it's not, it doesn't matter because it, it it talks about the area and when the deer is pressurized, they may respond to the pressure and just move out from the area. It doesn't mean there's less deer and so on. So, so here's a question for you: what's the what's the status of deer? Is it is it plenty? Is it not enough? Is it is it how you know? Is, is hunting sustainable? Because the only conservation measures is is open season, as far as I know. And that open season runs for, for almost six months. Uh, and w during deer season, you can shoot however many you want. 
we don't have a system of tags we don't have a system of anything mm. so do you think it's it's too generous is it enough like how what's your opinion on that yeah i i would say you know the point in terms of too many too little mm-hmm. um it's something we constantly hear um and you you've alluded to your your interview with patrick fogarty mm-hmm. um is that you know and people have heard me say this before we do not know in any part of ireland in terms of trends in terms of deer either increasing or decreasing mm-hmm. um what we do know is that you know and again this data is unverified but national parks produce data annually in terms of what they call hunter cull returns so mm-hmm. when a hunter is applying for his deer hunting license each year he makes a cull return stating how many deer he shot what species mm-hmm. and in what county but fr- from that data even though unverified it does give us and show us a mm-hmm. trend that for example, last year we know there was over 37,000 deer culled in Ireland, declared mm-hmm. as culled mm-hmm. um, in Ireland. And that's an increase on the previous year. So we were at a situation where for a number of years, the number of deer in Ireland was being uh, was actually increasing and then it became static for a number of years and we've seen an increase again. Mm-hmm. But that that is mirrored with a significant increase in the number of hunters. Yes. So um, Not deer, hunters. Yes, yeah, so hunters. So, so we've seen a threefold increase in the number of deer hunters in the last 10 years in Ireland, for example. Mm. Significant increase. And again, last year... There's most hunters per person in Ireland than any other country in the world. I would say the opposite, you know, in the sense of we have 5,200 approximately deer hunters in Ireland. Mm. Uh, if you look, for example, uh, I was in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh, in America a number of years ago hunting and on the opening day of the hunting just in that state alone yeah. there was over a million hunters yeah but uh, there's much more group so that that's actually that's actually data i, I read it somewhere that ireland is most hunters per person percentage yeah than any other country in the world yeah i haven't come across that statistic yeah. it may may, may, yeah. may, may, may be true yeah. but i would say is that um you know just in terms of um, um you know so in terms of the, the fact of the matter is we don't know if deer numbers are increasing or decreasing. Mm. Uh, you know, there's some areas where we visually can see um, deer numbers are higher because you can just see the number of deer on the ground. And they are the norm. Mm. So if you're taking County Kerry, for example, obviously within Killarney National Park, which is managed by national parks rather than by hunters, mm-hmm. uh, and which should continue to be the case considering their, their conservation importance, um, you can clearly see too many deer in some areas of Killarney National Park. Right. When you go outside of Killarney National Park, and you walk the mountains in Kerry, mm-hmm. um, there's some areas you will struggle to meet any deer. Yeah. Uh, and then what you would increasingly see is that the traditional hunting areas like Quilcha Forestry, mm-hmm. mountains, due to hunting pressure or to illegal hunting, mm-hmm. um, or maybe farming pressure or maybe gorse fires have moved deer out of those areas. And what we're seeing is that during the Celtic Tiger years, if you look around a lot of areas, there was a lot of land planted uh, with forestry on yeah. private farmland mm-hmm. um, and a lot of this farmland now has come to what they call pre-ticket stage which is ideal habitat for deer because uh, mm-hmm. a deer can just walk in and it virtually disappears it can't be seen until it comes out to feed yeah. but what happens when this forestry gets to this stage is that it effectively underneath every piece of grass disappears yeah it's, it's like a desert and it forces deer onto farmland then to feed yes and that's what we're seeing in certain areas is that we're Hunters are saying, God, I'm going to my, my traditional hunting area. I'm not seeing many deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the flip side of it, then we're hearing reports from landowners to sort of say, I have an unsustainable level of deer on my yeah. land. Uh, and if you look at the 
I suppose the geography and the demographics of these areas is there's a lot of private forestry that's holding deer in those areas yes. that will not be managed. And we know if deer are not managed, their population can effectively increase by 25% per year yeah. on average. Um, so you can imagine if an area goes unmanaged for, say, four years, you can virtually double your population in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we are seeing is, the fact of the matter is, what we're seeing is that some areas where deer numbers are quite low, um, mm-hmm. and complaints from hunters and that's across the country uh, other areas where deer numbers um, and localized areas where deer numbers appear to be high um, mm-hmm. but again we don't have a census there's no count has been done it's not like farm animals that you can just walk into a field yeah. and start counting yeah uh, it's just uh, estimation always. yeah the nature of the habitat and the terrain that they, they live in it's it's impossible to count and so the fact of the matter is we don't know but again if you look at international best practice in terms of that, it's one of it's the, one of the cornerstones in terms of managing deer is that you know how many deer you have on on yeah. your ground. Yeah, that's so, where you're starting. Uh, so, for example, every year I go to Scotland, and um, the area we're involved in a, in a management call um, is that they know how many male, female, juvenile deer they have on their land, and they develop a deer management plan around that. Um, and obviously, at the centre of that deer management plan is the welfare of the animal. Mm-hmm. So that's first and foremost. And from there, then they decide they, they they work out in terms of how many males they need to call, how many females they need to call, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of keeping the herd healthy, and yeah. I suppose that the habitat that they live in can sustain their their their, yeah. their, their numbers as well. Yeah. And we're so far away from anything like that in Ireland, um, mm-hmm. in the sense of uh, having local deer management groups that are all working together. Um, it's not overly run by any one sector. Uh, local hunters, you know, involved uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to having a individual hunter or bringing in someone that's uh, maybe a private uh, yeah. company to do the calling. But it's important that local hunters on the ground are involved in any um, yeah. uh, deer management plan. But we're we're so far away from that, as I mentioned in Ireland, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, having a handle in terms of the numbers of deer that we have. But this is kind of like a mission of Irish Deer Commission, right? To kind of try to implement those 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 sustain those, those management plans that have many stakeholders. Correct. So what are so so how you how you think how you intend to do that? How you intend to achieve that? Yeah, I suppose first of all we're looking to work with all stakeholder groups, farmers, foresters, mm-hmm. hunters, and so on. Because um, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, you know, sitting around the table, everybody talking is the way we foresee it. So. Um, I think it's not the case that any organization or individual in the morning can sort of say, right, we're going to develop a deer management plan for Ireland Mm -hmm. Um, because every local area has its own unique issues and and challenges. So it has to be something that has to come from a local uh, group. If you you look at the, I mentioned the hunter cull returns earlier Mm -hmm. um, in terms of 37,000 deer, approximately 14,000 of that number were culled in County Wicklow. Um, And if you were to take the counties of Galway, Donegal, uh, Cork, and Tipperary, and Wicklow, it accounts for about 80% of the national call. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of counties in Ireland where deer are not an issue um, mm-hmm. um, uh, at a county level. There may be individual pockets in within those counties, localized areas, but overall. So it's just a case of, of people in those counties that I mentioned coming together, uh, and they've already started to do this in, in County Wicklow, mm-hmm. um, of, of farming deer management groups, um, that's not overly um, weighed in terms of one particular stakeholder group. Mm-hmm. That is a balance and it takes account of every um, uh, everyone's interests and needs. Um, yeah. 
my experience is doing that is 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 a positive thing, but it's also quite emotive. Yes. It is quite emotive, um, and it's as I, as I mentioned earlier on, you know, we've been through one of the worst fodder crises in history, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 impacting farmers' livelihoods um, and and so on. So it's quite an emotive topic. Um, so we'd very see that much as 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 the way forward mm-hmm. um, in terms of farming local deer management groups, but equally as well is that. Through our website, irishdeercommission.ie, we're always trying to promote, as I mentioned, in terms of what best practice is, raising awareness, um, raising mm-hmm. awareness in the media um, in terms of um, the conservation and management of deer. Yeah. We are, uh, Dr. Ruth Carden uh, would be probably Ireland's leading uh, deer academic in terms of um, um, conservation and management. And we're currently working on a piece of work at the moment where we're compiling a deer distribution uh, data for the, the entire Ireland of Ireland and islands because we have deer on four islands off, oh. off, off of Ireland as well. Um, and that's looking at saying where, what species and where are they present. Yeah. So it's not going to give us a number, but it's just yeah. going to show what the presence yeah. of deer are in particular yeah. areas. And you're working also to try, you, are you trying to establish those local, uh, I suppose, communities or local groups that then can kind of lobby and and so is that the idea that you have a group and if on 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 uh, on any particular area you get all these stakeholders come together, then they can establish some rules on that area and enforce them. Is that the idea? Correct. Yeah. And if you look if you look in parts of Europe, for example, in Germany, it's very much managed at a local level. Uh, right, like like that. Um, and what's the law status? How does it looks from from the perspective of the law uh, to establish a group who, for example, you know, I don't know, North Kerry or whatever region, decide, okay, we want deer managed in a you know special way, this way. Yeah. Right. Uh, how how then it goes into legislation or how how does it get yeah. backing from the law? I, I I think the management of deer, regardless of if it's through a local group or an individual, it has to be deer have to be managed within the law. And mm-hmm. as we know, deer are a protected species under the Wildlife Acts. Mm-hmm. So and there's a specific open season, as we know, from deer yeah. from first of September to twenty eighth of February. Um, so, so any management of deer obviously has to be done within the current legislation and law. So I don't think it would be a scenario where groups are looking to, um, I suppose, change the law or anything okay. like that. Um, okay. No, it, I was just thinking about the scenario when, when uh, you know, all these stakeholders coming in and they say like, well, well, we don't want any hunter to take more than, you know, five deer in a season. Yeah. Right. And then how they can come about enforcing that because then someone comes in and says like, well, I don't care what you said. You know, overall Irish law says that I can take however many I want. Yeah. So yeah. so my question is like, is there any mechanism where that group then can enforce any specific regulations on the area that they want to manage? Again, if you look at best practice internationally, I mentioned earlier on is that the first thing is you're looking is to see what your population of deer mm. by species, by sex in an area you're from that then you're developing out your deer management plan so mm-hmm. that says that we need to call so many mm-hmm. females so many mm-hmm. males juveniles um and normally what would happen is that if you have an, an inclusive approach where hunters and all stakeholders are involved you know that you're sitting around and you're saying we need to call x number of deer mm-hmm. uh, per year mm-hmm. to keep the herd at a sustainable level um, and that's where your numbers come from there i think if you don't include hunters locally mm-hmm. there's a danger of what you just said there someone mm-hmm. sort of saying okay on over here on one side we have people mm-hmm. developing a plan yeah. and we've actually left the people that are on the ground locally involved in, yeah. in hunting out of that plan 
So they're just going to cull whatever number they require. Where I think if everybody's included mm-hmm. and the people that are, are on the ground are included, um, it's it's it. Then you have you know everybody yeah. singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then potentially uh, down the line that, that they can develop some sort of a you know tag system or whatever. And then if it, all, all landowners are on the on the board as well, then they can before they give a permission to somebody to shoot on their on their land, say like, well, you can shoot on my land, but actually. This is, you know, the tag or whatever. This is how much yeah. you can take and no more. And, and it is something that's been um, uh, in my work with the Irish DR Management Forum, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, which is a, a government a group formed of, of various stakeholders. Um, it's one of the recommendations that we made to the, the respective ministers was that um, a tagging system would be brought in place. Great. Uh, the the issue around the tagging system, where is that? You know, in terms of how many tags do we distribute? Mm-hmm. And this comes back to the issue I mentioned in terms of the mm-hmm. population of deer. So, are we giving out too many? Are we giving out too little? Yeah. Um, but and I think someone's going to be not un- unhappy about it. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I think one of the one of the probably objectives of of the tagging system as well is that it allows you to begin to start collecting more detailed data mm-hmm. in terms of uh, animals that are culled and so on. Uh, where at the moment, as I said, there's annual hunter record call returns are not verified but they're the yeah. nearest thing we have to data yeah um, and <laughs> i think that's what, what we are missing is is that um i know it has been noted in terms of developing an app that hunters can use mm-hmm. for example when they call an animal they can input the details yeah the issue around that sometimes hunters have a fear if mm-hmm. i disclose the location of where i shot that deer um oh, of uh, someone else is going to know yeah uh, so yeah. But look, I think at this stage, most people in Ireland know, um, you know, your major forestries and mountainous areas and mm-hmm. where deer are and aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is a concern. But we absolutely need to um, uh, have a better handle in terms of, of, of the numbers. Yeah. So you you're, you're mentioned already the tag system, which I think would be great if, if we if we have that. Um, do you think that the, that the license for deer should be, uh, you know, we should pay for that and get the money mm. that way to fund fund it. Or do you like the idea that it's free? Yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting one in the sense of I was actually part of an exercise where we surveyed hunters with that mm-hmm. question. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, and what was uh, it interesting? Yeah. Uh, so Please, we asked we, we asked that question, and I don't recall what the percentage was, but what I do recall mm-hmm. uh, is that um, the the majority of hunters were in favor of a fee being charged for a deer hunting license. Really, but there was a major but included. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that money was ring fenced, of course, um, in the sense of, from the point of view of either conservation, or particularly what emotive topic was in terms of having more conservation rangers, mm-hmm. um, in terms of tackling wildlife crime or deer poaching, yes, uh, which which is which is a huge topic. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the, the I suppose the the caveat that came with the the yes, yeah. it wasn't just that it was going to be a deer hunting license fee. Yeah, of course. And into the state coffers, it was a case that that money was specifically ring fenced for. That's that's actually I I should I should qualify that as well with that, uh, and I I think that's just fantastic what you just said because mm. uh, to be honest, I thought that the majority would say no. And no, and this is kind of similar, like like yeah. again, like an example in the U.S. when majority of the hunters were were okay with it being taxed, uh, and and I suppose this speaks buckets to the fact that the hunters are conservationists and they they really care about the animal because look, majority of them actually have nothing against paying for a license that is for free now. Just take that money and use it for for. So I I, I think that's that's a great thing to yeah. say. Yeah. Listen. Uh, 
Another controversial topic a little bit was, is, I think at the moment, is a HCAP and a qualification required, mm. or that's supposed to be this year, the mm. qualification. So, so HCAP is a Hunter's Competence Assessment Program, which is essentially like a course where people are learning about how to assess the population, uh, how to call the deer, basics of the wildlife law, basics of the firearm law, meat handling, deer biology, and you know how to tell species of deer and so on and so on, and range tests to prove their proficiency with a firearm. So uh, that's supposed to be mandatory from this year. There was a big pushback. And as far as I know, it was promised that it will be mandatory from no later than by 2020. Okay. What's your take on uh, on the HCAP qualification? And do you think that all the people should have it? Not really. How, where do you stand in that? Yeah, I would say, like, first of all, I think all forms of training for hunters can only be a positive thing. Mm. Um, so I would say my, I, I think under the last set of data I saw, the majority of hunters have already completed the HCAP. And there's also other courses now being offered as well, uh, similar courses. But I would say in terms of, HCAP, in you know, currently in its current form is designed mm -hmm. as a basic first step for hunters. Mm -hmm. So it's not designed to make somebody an expert, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So it's just to, it's just to have the basic level of knowledge in terms of conservation, the law, mm -hmm. uh, safety, and so on. So it's a it, it's a good first attempt to promote uh, that activity. I'm I'm aware, as I said again, um, and again, respect everybody's views that there has been some pushback from uh, and, uh, some individuals in terms of having a mandatory certification um, and people that I, some of the feedback I've heard on that has come from different views that say somebody has been hunting all their lives maybe haven't sat exams in mm -hmm. maybe 10 20 30 years and are mm -hmm. concerned to sort of say god yep. you know having to sit an exam yep. um, so first of all I, I think the recommendations around this were not specifically around HCAP I know HCAP has got a lot of tension on it mm -hmm. I think the wording was HCAP are similar yes. so I don't think anybody was promoting to sort of say it should be HCAP only and I think if you talk to Liam Nolan mm -hmm. who's, uh, who's uh, the administrator for, for HCAP um, he will tell you the same thing it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, 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 um, it's HCAP or similar um, but I would say is it is something that is going to happen if, if you look again um, a lot of our European neighbours have mandatory certification. Other countries don't. Yeah. Uh, but I would very much see that it is something that is going to come in. And I think it's a, it's, it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think people have, um, I think change sometimes brings fear and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. It's a human reaction to things mm -hmm. to sort of say, God, this is something we haven't had to do before. Mm -hmm. Now they're bringing this in on us. Or, you know, when you, when you hear the word mandatory as well, some people like to keep back from the words <laughs> yeah, uh, mandatory exactly. and say, yeah, Before I'm not they know what that is. Or they, yeah, no, I'm not no. going to have someone tell me what to do. But, uh, but yeah, I would say very much uh, a positive thing. You know, yeah. all forms of hunting, I think, is, is, is absolutely. I agree. I agree. And, and I think it's, it's just really, you know, almost crazy to allow people to run around with the firearms without any sort of like even basic level ensuring that they know what they're doing. And, and you know, even on the on the exam when I was like, the range test is, you know, it's fairly easy. You have a, like a four-inch group, hmm. you know, uh, hundred yards prone position, and then so it's it's easy, especially you know if, if someone is shooting, and uh, and a guy who was next to me, you know, he he couldn't group four inch from prone position hundred yards, and and I thought at the time, I don't want this guy around 
on the same land where I'm stalking because like if he can you know if he can control his his body and what he's doing with the firearm under pressure on the exam well what if he sees a, you know this big big deer like ah oh, it's the same story right mm. i would like him to be able to control actually you know 4 inches not that <laughs> yeah, yeah. that small so um so i i i completely agree with that um it's it's interesting so what is the next step what's what's the next step uh after after someone completed hcap or similar but there's many many yeah. like, what would be the next step next exam that, that that someone can take if they want to kind of you know progress with their education currently at the moment there's no further step available in ireland ah, uh, unfortunately so um there has i know there has been suggestions mostly of a hcap 2 level so mm-hmm. if you look at the the uk for example or, or near yeah. neighbors um they would have what they call the DSE one, DSE two, exactly, an advanced year managers course. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so they have a number of different levels of courses that they can do. So, so I think for the, the for for some people, HCAP in its own will be enough for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of hunters out there have a desire to learn more and only improve in terms of their management skills and in terms of welfare and so on. So, mm-hmm. um, I think there will be certain hunters out there will want to. Uh, to progress further in terms of their education and so on. And I think that's a real mm-hmm. positive thing. And it just shows, uh, I suppose, the professionalism and the attitude of hunters in terms of um, um, in terms of wanting to do things right and, and obviously animal welfare in terms of managing deer as well, yeah. um, that they're doing the right thing. So I would say there's very much uh, an appetite amongst a certain section of the deer hunting community for mm-hmm. uh, further education. Yeah. So at the moment, this is only UK? This is only the UK. And what's the name of the of the of the exam then? In the UK yes. exam, yeah. So I mentioned there's the DSE one, DSE two. Is it so, is it like DSC one equivalent of HCAP? Correct. Correct. So Very then similar. so then so people who already have a HCAP they would need to go for DSC two. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yes. And what is it? There's a there's a also uh, I think it's a European certification called certified hunter. Mm. Or is is am I am I am I right saying that? Yes, it's not something that's relevant to Ireland, okay. um, um, you know. But it's 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 again, it's for, it's further education. In my own case, for mm-hmm. example, I would have sat the advanced deer managers course in the UK. Uh-huh. So I mentioned you have the DSE one, DSE two, and advanced yeah. deer managers course, and that covered all aspects of developing deer management plans, conservation at a very detailed level, even aging deer, right. um, in terms of the teeth and so on. Uh, yeah. So very interesting, you know. Obviously. Yeah. When you're doing an exam and something that you love doing, it's it's it makes it uh, well. Even, that's even that's, that's how I found HCAP. I I enjoyed you know it, it, it was great because I learned yeah. so much about it. You know? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was yeah. Great. I think sometimes people, as I said, with the HCAP I've seen, where you know they have an excellent uh, manual, as you would have seen. Um, you know, the manual itself is a fantastic resource mm-hmm. um, for information and. Yep. Uh, People often say to me, God, do I need to know the manual, you know, inside out? It's, it, that's not the case, as, as you know yourself when we have that mm-hmm. exam. Mm-hmm. The exams are, are, there are 50 questions, mm-hmm. you must get 40 right to pass, mm-hmm. and there are basic, most of them common sense mm-hmm. uh, questions. Uh, but the manual itself, you could probably have two or three different levels of exams from that, because some of yeah. the information is quite detailed. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, a great, it's a great resource, the manual is a yeah. great resource. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there's, it's great, You're, you know, the, the picture you're painting is really quite positive. Uh, and especially, I think, uh, the picture of a hunting community mm. that, that, that people are. So y- y- I think you answered my question about hunters as a conservationist in Ireland, even mm. though there is a no monetary contribution. 
uh, how does it work? And I want to ask you about one other thing, uh, which is going on right now. It's a, it's it's quite a big thing with Irish Deer Commission, uh, and this is uh, preventing of poaching and wildlife crime. Mm, mm. Can you tell us uh, how bad is the problem and what you're doing to to address that problem? Yeah, the, I suppose in terms of yeah wildlife crime, you know, in general, um, it's been recently stated by um, that you know wildlife crime. At a, if we look at it at a European level, mm-hmm. you know, after uh, drugs, firearms, and human trafficking, it's it's the fourth biggest crime um, in really? terms of revenue generation. So because oh, we because we, we, we think we think of just deer, but obviously it expands across all types of endangered species and so on. And how the revenue is generated. I haven't. I think the numbers I've seen are run into the billions. Uh, yeah, but I'm wondering yeah, yeah. how. Like it, it can't be just for a sale of venison. No, it doesn't say. It covers across trading in protected species in rhino horn, and you know. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it gotcha. covers it covers an aspect. Right. But from an Irish context point of view, is I suppose the main forms of wildlife crime that we see are deer poaching, which I'll speak a bit more in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see illegal hair coursing. Mm-hmm. We see, you know, um, you know, in terms of 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 killing or, you know, to, of raptors, you know, we've seen incidents of of sea eagles being poisoned, you know, um, and so on, um, and finching is another common one as well in terms of mm-hmm. of, of trapping of 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 live birds. Um, but in terms of a uh, come back to deer poaching, I suppose, you know, we we've mentioned earlier on is that. Um, Deer can be legally called under license, under special license, from the 1st of September to the 28th of February. And within that, then there's a male and a female season. Yeah. Obviously, in the case of County Kerry, there's no open season for red deer. Mm-hmm. These are a protected species throughout the entire county. Um, and obviously, hunting them within national parks is also illegal as well, because that's, mm-hmm. that's a matter for, for national parks and wildlife service. But it, deer as well can be called one hour before sunrise uh, and one hour after the official sunset time. But the most common forms of uh, wildlife crime or deer poaching that we see is the use of lamps at night to dazzle deer, confuse the deer. Mm-hmm. The deer is either shot or is set upon by dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, the latter is is quite a, one of the most barbaric wildlife crimes that you'll see because mm-hmm. when the deer is chased down by the dogs, it's either bludgeoned to death or mm-hmm. has its throat cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's a horrific uh, crime that, that's... And it's something... I suppose deer poaching in general is something that hunters it detests you know if you talk to any hunter and they hear mm-hmm. of people illegally killing deer it actually you know makes the blood boil it does mm-hmm. uh, it's an emotive topic so so yeah they're the real main forms i suppose of deer poaching in terms of mm-hmm. at night but also then we see people shooting out a season uh, mm-hmm. which is also a crime we see armed trespass people trespassing on land that they don't have permission to be on mm-hmm. um, and so on so but I suppose in terms of what we've seen in recent years is um, on Garda Shikana, National Parks and Wildlife Service uh, came together under mm-hmm. what they call Operation Bambi, yeah. uh, very aptly named. Oh, so, so that's, that's going on for a number of years. A number of years, and it's been highly successful, it has. Mm-hmm. So I suppose Operation Bambi is, was set up with the purpose of highlighting, investigating incidents of deer poaching. Um, and at the cornerstone of that has been hunters themselves, because... Um, the vast majority of reports for suspected activity of deer poaching uh, comes from hunters themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah by they're the on the ground. They're, they're on the ground, exactly, the ground. yeah. Um, so the rise in the years, and as I mentioned, it's something that they detest. Um, so I remember speaking to somebody in the UK, for example, and 
they were astounded when they heard the majority of reports actually come from hunters um, because it's something they don't see in the UK. Um, so um, so kudos and, and credit to Irish hunters for, for that. Um, but I suppose, yeah, in, in, in what we've seen is Operation Bambi has been highly successful. Uh, and we recently held our launch event at the Irish Fly Fishing and Game Shooting Museum in Durham, in County Leash. And um, Inspector Martin Walker, our superintendent, bigger pardon, Martin Walker, uh, was one of our speakers mm-hmm. on, on, on the night. And um, he announced at that event that, as in from September onwards, that on Garda Shikana, under the direction of an assistant Garda commissioner, mm-hmm. have now looked for um, an inspector from each Garda division oh. um, to be trained in terms of. I suppose, understanding the legislation and understanding the signs and in terms of around wildlife crime and specifically deer poaching as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a very positive development because if we look internationally, what works for extremely well is is wildlife liaison officers. So these are not additional guardia, additional uh, members of the police for, of a police force, um, but they're individuals there that are trained up to be specialists in that area. Yeah. So at least if, if, if uh, you know, I suppose a common issue that we face is that if you contact a member of Angara Shikana and they're not familiar with the legislation yeah. they don't really know what to do um, yeah. and um, and understandably Angara Shikana have lots of various directives and issues that they're dealing with on a yeah. day to day basis um, but to have people that are specialised in the area and understand what they're doing is 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 to be welcomed um, and it is, it is positive what we've seen as well in recent years as well is that you know an increase in the number of detections um, mm-hmm. uh, an increase in the number of prosecutions and rather than just you know looking at the wild effects now it's also been looked at in terms of the various other legislation in terms of the animal health and welfare legislation the criminal justice act so we're looking at you're looking at for example is the is there a vehicle being used in committing the crime yeah and so on because there is a perception amongst hunters that you know you know it's uh, it's 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 uh there's a high potential gain from the crime, mm-hmm. but a low risk of being caught. Yeah. Um, you know, so the potential financial rewards are are are, are quite lucrative, um, you know, for these individuals because you know I still don't I still don't see it, to be honest. Where is that that reward that, that monetary reward for poaching a deer? Yeah. So if you t- if you take, for example, a red deer, you know, mm-hmm. um it's you know, again, just picking a rough figure, say you, you know, some of us receive 150 euros per carcass and we still mm-hmm. go out at night and kill 10 of them illegally uh, and wow. and sell them into the food chain you know it's effectively you right. know uh, 1500 euros cash um, right. um so and we we've quite a low i suppose we have improved the, the traceability in recent years we're, we're a long way short you know even mm-hmm. if you look at domestic uh, livestock mm-hmm. um, and we have we've excellent traceability uh, but in terms of deer um yeah. There's a lot of loopholes still there where an individual can can go out and illegally kill deer um, and sell them into the food chain. Hmm. Um, and, and the issue we have, you know, we've seen examples where a lot of these deer are killed at night, left in the countryside overnight and collected during daylight hours to, to yeah. avoid suspicion. Yeah. And obviously, when as like any carcass that's left in the countryside overnight, it's open to be fed on, you know, vermin. Yeah. Um, and then to think that that meat then is entering the food chain you know, and, and, you know, impacting the reputation of what is a fantastic product and a fantastic meat. Oh, yeah. Um, because, you know, they are the overwhelming majority of hunters that do sell venison and it's, it's the minority, the mm-hmm. majority consume for their own, exactly. their own needs um, is, um, you know, so there is a legitimate reason to sell venison that has yeah. been legally shot. 
Yeah. But when you mix illegal venison in that potentially um, could impact on human health, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a different scenario. Listen, um, so, so yeah, question I have about the wild, so uh, about the crime, wildlife crime. So how, as the wildlife crime stands at the moment in, in Ireland, does that pose any danger for hunters? Mm. At the moment, do you know about any cases? Because obviously, you know, sometimes these are gangs, organized gangs of people, and so on. So, is it is it going on kind of silently at night? Or, and the reason I'm asking that because I know from you know other countries that sometimes there were there were concerns over fly fishermen to fish certain stretches of the rivers because that's a stretch of the river that is known that is being poached, and there are like you know shady. Mm-hmm characters with firearms there so you don't go fish fish there is is that is that the case for hunters in, at the moment in ireland I, I i would say um you know i suppose this form of crime typically takes place at night when most people are tucked up in the beds you know okay. they're, they're operating under the hours of darkness um so i suppose from that aspect they generally don't come into contact with, with mm-hmm. genuine hunters um or legitimate yeah. hunters um, it does happen from time to time that they do they do come into contact, but the advice we'd always give is mm-hmm. never approach somebody. Um, yeah. uh, is just take note of the details and contact your local guard station or. And now, if on the guard station you have a, actually somebody dedicated to that, you have a person to contact. Correct. Which then makes things so much easier. Much easier. And more so I would say, you know, in, in Superintendent Martin Walker's uh, speech um, at our event. Um, he referenced to a number of scenarios where landowners have, you know, confronted these criminals on the land and have been assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a real risk to people in rural communities. I think there's a real risk in the sense of that legitimate uh, deer stalkers, while, while calling deer, you know, safety is a huge aspect. And I mm-hmm. already mentioned the welfare of the animal is, mm-hmm. is, at the, is at the center of this, is that the one thing you're always looking to do is to ensure you know, when culling animals, that is a safe backdrop. Yep. If you have somebody discharging a firearm in a reckless manner at night, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is um, and they're not aware of what the backdrop is, it yeah. it, it, it it puts people's lives at risk. Yeah. And we've seen incidences in different parts of the country where homes have been struck or vehicles have been struck. Yeah. And we regularly see uh, livestock that are shot mm-hmm. um, <laughs> at night um, regularly. Um, and I think if you speak to anybody in, in the various knackery yards that... Um, that that deal with uh, animal carcasses. They'll tell you they regularly see animals that have been shot um, at night by by these criminals. Um, hmm. So it's uh, there's a real risk there. Um, I suppose what we see again in, in in internationally is where you have deer poaching and wildlife crime. You'll also see an increase in general crime in that area. Ah. Um, yeah. So um, so it has you know because some people might say, look, God, it's just deer. It's just mm-hmm. deer. I want I want them called. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't care how, but they actually, by, you know, so maybe somebody inadvertently turning mm-hmm. a blind eye to that crime, yeah. they're actually putting their neighbors, their livestock, themselves at, at risk. risk. And it actually makes the management of deer ma- far more difficult, you know, because if deer, um, I suppose deer have three main needs in life. First of all, they want food, mm-hmm. they want shelter, and they want peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. And if any of those are taken away or disturbed, deer will move and they will yeah. move into new areas. So if you have an area where, you know, deer are being constantly, uh, you know, dazzled at night with a lamp or chased by dogs. 
they will just leave the area and move on to a new area. Eventually, they'll move back when, when, when the scenario... It doesn't, move the yeah. pro- it doesn't deal with the problem. But what it does, it makes the, the, the management of deer far more difficult because the deer become very uh, skittish. You know, they're mm-hmm. very... If you're looking at deer in areas where there's a lot of wildlife crime, the deer are very jumpy. You know, they're very yeah. hard to get, difficult to get near. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to manage them um, as opposed to where proper... Uh, best practice deer management takes place is mm-hmm. that it's selective, it's gradual, it's done legally. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. it's done with regard for safety and welfare. Yeah. Um, so, so there's huge risks from uh, this. You know, we're we're you know, would always urge uh, landowners to ensure that deer are only called legally and in the legal manner. Yeah. And you know, if if they're frustrated in the field, they have a problem with deer, just talk to the local hunter. Um, exactly. Um, and and you know. Yeah. They they gladly they will gladly help you. I gladly help them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, well, just to 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 finish it off, uh, one last practical question. Mm. So practical question for 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 hunters out there: If I'm hunting on the land that I have permission, right, and shot the deer, and a deer runs and goes outside of the boundary of the land that I have a permission to hunt, mm. right? And might or might not expire somewhere else. What to do in that case? Mm. Because if you just go go after it, you're trespassing. Correct, correct, okay? yeah. So. So, so what should hunter do in that case? Yeah, I'm smiling when you're asking that question because mm. you may recall from your hedge cap exam that mm. is one of the, the questions contained mm. in, mm. The, in the exam, if my memory recalls. Well, uh, yes, but the, but the yeah. answer is, you know, the answer is not practical and it was there was many like i'm telling so so there was also that statement uh but by liam <laughs> often said like i'm telling you what the law is not what practically do yeah okay so i'm so i'm asking you like what to do practically yeah. because according to the law and let's check if i if i got it right the deer now belongs to a person on which land it expired mm. and you don't have a permission to go there right but that's that's not necessarily something right to do, just to leave that deer there to rot. Okay? Yes, correct. And you not always are able to, you know, identify who that person is, who owns the land, or maybe that mm. it's a chill land and so on. So, so practically, what to do in that case? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to ask you from the law's point of view, if you don't yeah. mind, but so because I think you, you mentioned when, when deer are alive, mm-hmm. they're not owned by anybody. Yes, when deer are dead it's the person that is either killed the animal or on, on the property of the person that that, that mm-hmm. the animal is dead on but um, or should I say the person that owns the sporting rights as well mm-hmm. um, but you know so, so from a legal point of view obviously you can't just trespass on somebody's land I know mm-hmm. from a, a welfare point of view mm-hmm. and an ethical point of view you're trying to recover an animal that's either dead or injured mm-hmm. um, and thankfully first of all I suppose before you even get to that situation mm-hmm. you obviously when you're when, when you're culling deer you want to ensure the animal is culled humanely and efficiently mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, it doesn't have run, but it does happen very occasionally mm-hmm. um, um, that, that a deer may not be killed immediately and it runs a distance. Um, mm-hmm. But from, all I can say from a legal point of view mm-hmm. is that obviously you need to get the, 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 the owner, landowner's permission mm-hmm. uh, before uh, pursuing the animal. Um, and I don't think any hunter would be in a scenario where they sort of say, look, I'm not going to answer that land. I'm going to leave the deer there. I think everyone would make an effort to mm-hmm. track down the landowner and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, the risk with it and the unintended consequence of mm-hmm. you doing the opposite of maybe going onto the land is that 
where the scenario you've described is a legitimate, genuine reason, mm-hmm. you could have individuals would use that as an excuse, maybe possibly to be well, ex- on, exactly. on land for other reasons. You know, yeah. uh, you shot that deer on that land. Yeah, rather, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same. Uh, it's the same. You know, if people come across deer have been involved in a road traffic accident, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the law states the animal can be dispatched by legal means. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also must notify uh, a conservation ranger uh, yes. that you've done that. Because again, it, it 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 creates a cover for someone to sort of say, you know, oh, yeah, that maybe, I, maybe maybe necessarily the deer wasn't involved in an accident mm-hmm. and the shot for other reasons. But again, mm-hmm. I don't think any of this kind of stuff applies to, to mm-hmm. the overwhelming majority of hunters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, so to, the best way to avoid that scenario is like know who owns the land around the land that you have a permission to 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 shoot yeah. up front to to be at least be able to contact them or use an anchoring shot so the animal. Is, 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 is yeah. on the spot, dies yeah. on the spot rather than. What, what, what I would add to that as well is that um, is that you know deer have a range that they operate in, so mm-hmm. they don't operate in X field mm-hmm. and not that field. They operate mm-hmm. over a certain area, and to properly manage deer in an area, you need to be able to manage the range of the deer, mm-hmm. and that may encompass several landowners mm-hmm. uh, within that area. It may include forestry, it may include mountain. Mm-hmm. So it's important that you have that you work with landowners in the area yeah. to manage the, because as I said, if you're, if you're, if you're tied to just a specific field, yes. um, it's very difficult to say you can manage deer in that one field or the one, a number of fields. Exactly. Damien. So I have to ask you that question and it, 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 this is really nicely ties. Uh, and I think it's really nicely going to conclude that episode of the podcast. So on one hand, you're saying Irish deer commission kind of works to develop local plans for manage, managing deer. Right. And that thing that you just said, do you think that the plan, that the properly developed plan for managing deer should also include access to the land to call deer or to hunt deer? Because with the absence of that, you're inevitably ending up with a scenario where I have access to this field and the other guy have access to this field. Mm. And then that makes it so much more difficult, like you just said. So do you think that the that the uh, kind of all-encompassing plan for managing deer should also not only include the call, call quotas, but also regulate somehow access to the land where you can hunt deer. Yeah, I think in terms of access to land is, first of all, it's the landowner's right to decide who can come onto the land yeah. or not come onto the land. But then and if they're part of the scheme, if they're make, part that, of the that, that's, scheme. that's why it's important to have everybody joined up thinking, you know, and working together, landowners, hunters, and so on, because that is the case. I should preface to say, I know we discussed at some length in terms about deer management groups and so mm-hmm. on, you know, and the reality is that, you know, we're very far away from that in Ireland, mm. you know, so it's not something we're saying in the Irish Deer Commission that will happen next year or the year after, that's that's an, a, a space that we need to get to and we want to get to mm-hmm. you know so it's not i'd want people to think that next year oh god it's going to be local deer management groups or something like that uh, um, hopefully well that's ideal yeah, right yeah and this is not unique if you look at the irish deer management forum that i mentioned mm-hmm. earlier on as well you know that is an aspiration of the irish deer management forum which mm-hmm. represents all stakeholders um so it's uh so yeah it's something that we're very far away there's there's huge issues facing deer mm-hmm. at the moment in terms of our management or conservation mm-hmm. um but that we need to address before we even get anywhere near right. deer management groups you know but it is um it is it is an area we go but the one thing i would just sort of say is that um i think in terms of deer management in ireland it's important that 
any statements or decisions that we make about the management are not arbitrary seat of the pants or results of political pressure, you know, that they must be based on factual data. Yeah. Um, you know, and we really need to get away from uh, using them as a, as, as a political football um, um, yeah. in terms of, you know. That's, that's, that's and, counterproductive. Yeah, also. and that's not for a moment just guarding anyone's views or, or, or concerns that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said they are... Uh, you know they are farmers landowners foresters that have legitimate concerns that have legitimate issues and we must address those issues as well and support those people Um, but it is important as I said that we base any decisions on management not as a result of pressure Uh, it has to come on factual data absolutely so uh, for anyone who wants to get involved and and help with that fantastic work how to get involved how to get in touch and, and what they should do very simple, uh, just go on to our website, irishdeercommission.ie, and just click on the membership tab, and you can apply for, for, for membership there um, and through that. It's very cost-effective. We're looking to promote younger people coming into the uh, association and into, into deer management, and the, I suppose the next generation of, of, of mm-hmm. deer managers. So our junior membership is just 10 euros per year. We have an ordinary membership for adults um, is 20 euros and a family membership for 25 euros per year. So it's a, it's a very uh, small fee to join. Uh, it's voluntary work. It's something that we all give up selfishly mm-hmm. for, for, for the betterment of, of deer and, and what we believe in. And then when people are involved, they can also take take action and take part on the like local actions and, and be informed through the newsletter or anything correct like that about correct yes on. yes communication is is is, is key so it's yeah. not going to be only like this 15 or 10 euro or, or 35 euro it's is it's it's more behind that that absolutely there's many benefits to being a member in terms of events in terms of information and also having an input in terms of because exactly? the views of the association ultimately the views of the members and so you know for people that have a concern or an issue in terms of a particular area and if we're speaking to one of the state agencies or one of the stakeholder groups uh, we can feed back in that members feedback Um, obviously you can never take you have to take a a general consensus Mm -hmm. because there will be different views but you know just to take the general consensus of, of our membership yes Damien, thank you very much for doing this. It's a great organization. It's a it's a pleasure uh, to have you here, and I hope we get uh, get more members uh, to the Irish Deer Commission through that cost. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to talk to you. And that was another episode of Tommy Seldor's podcast, a special edition uh, deer season opener. Don't forget. Uh, to email info at irishdeercommission.ie to uh, make sure you have a place in a root walk in Killarney National Park. And uh, other than that, if you enjoyed the podcast and you haven't subscribed yet, um, then I think you should fix that and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other platform when you're aggregating your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at Outdoors Podcast and Facebook and Instagram at Tommy's Outdoors. So until the next time, bye-bye. You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.